You're listening to a podcast from 702. Talk, my name is Tabo Shodamashal. I'm standing in for Clement Manyatela. And uh, that's up until 12 noon, which is just uh, 51 minutes away. Uh, I've enjoyed the previous hour where we were talking about uh, the legal battle between Department of uh, Basic Education and uh, Independent Schools over learning curriculum. And now, this hour, we will be focusing on family matters. I know it's your favorite feature on this show uh, where we chat everything that's got to do with family and that we do know that uh, families have got nothing nothing i mean well the anc has got nothing on families talking about politics isn't it so we will be chatting very shortly to jenny cave uh, who's the clinical psychologist and uh, she often speaks to clement about these issues the holidays are just around the corner are you looking forward to seeing that cousin Jenny? Are you looking forward to seeing Uncle Joe? Are you looking forward to see that long lost sister that you try to avoid her calls every time she's trying to reach you? Are you looking forward? Maybe you are, but a lot of people may be dreading this time, even though it's fun because of feuds, petty fights over the years you've really really not truly forgiven this person for what they did in 1871 you're still holding that grudge and well the holidays present many wonderful opportunities to bond with family but uh, the holiday season can also be a breeding ground as we all know for uh, family disputes and uh, drama this time of the year can uh, present significant stress to a lot of people particularly when family conflict arises regardless of regardless of what uh, your specific family conflict is about it's uh, liable to bring up some powerful emotions but family conflict doesn't have to ruin your holidays i'm sure we can find a way when you take proactive steps you can try to sort yourself out and uh, make it work or is it lost forever jenny thank you so much for joining us and really appreciate your time are you well I'm so well. Thank you so much, Tabo. It's really always so much fun to be here, and I'm looking forward to working with you for the first time today. For the very first time, I'm the one who's looking forward to it because I'm, oh, I'm, 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 I'm just wondering about all of these. Why, why does it have to be not as good as it's made out to be because whenever we speak about the word family, you're thinking of love, childhood memories, nostalgia, people coming together, but not so much uh, of it turns out to be that way. Actually, it can be the opposite in some families. What causes that? So I think that it's such a beautiful question. I think that it's got to do with, first of all, the nature of families and mm. how families actually work. And then secondly, the nature of the holidays. Mm. And, you know, we do have this idea, like you're saying now, that the holidays are supposed to be about togetherness and family and enjoyment and all of those things. Mm. But think about every movie that you've ever seen about a family at the holidays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's never like that, is yes. it? No, true, true. It's never like that, Jess. Yes. It's never like that. Yeah. Um, but yet we still all have this expectation that it should be like that. And like I said, it's got to do with two things, and I'm sure we'll talk about them separately. But the first one has got to do with the nature of families. Mm. So a nature, a family has, has got a very interesting nature as a system. Um, a system's function is to survive. That's what a system has to do. And a family is a unique system that has to survive over very many decades and very many generations. 
And within the family, there's a lot of change that happens as people grow, grow up, get married, have more children, meet new people, make friends. And outside of the family, there's a lot of change in terms of culture, in terms of social expectations, in terms of the way things are done. Mm. So the family has got a very strong inclination to resist change to in order to remain a family and keep a family identity. And the family is dealing with a lot of pressure to change in order to adjust to the changes of people within the family as they age and go through different developmental phases and also with a system outside. And because of this unique nature of families, what we see in more than any other system is the repetition of patterns mm. and interactional patterns that occur outside the level of conscious awareness, beyond mm. what people say and do, but the actual relational dynamics between people. So if you think of a cake um, um, as like the, the words and actions of people, then the baking is the relational dynamics. Mm. Mm. And the ingredients that each person brings is their interactional style. Now, these relational dynamics have been repeating across generations, within generations, over generations, for decades and decades. And so there's a compounding effect. Mm. And it becomes like, like Japanese water torture. I can't remember if it's Japanese or Chinese water <laughs> torture, where they drop a single drop of water on your forehead mm. um, every 10 seconds. And it mm. doesn't sound like much. But it's just a drop of water on your forehead. Mm. But once you've endured that for a few hours, a drop of water can feel like a sledgehammer against your forehead mm, because mm. of the compounding effect. So when your mom criticizes the turkey that you have made, mm. it's not about the turkey. Mm. It's about every single time in your entire life that she has found a way to undermine or criticize mm. you. And if the reaction to that mm. is based on the level of relational dynamic. But the content of that is just, well, I've just said the turkey's a bit dry. And so we deal with these compounded impacts in family systems that make us very sensitive to the behavior of the people in our family systems. Mm. And sometimes reacting to a lot more data in what is just happening in the moment. Yeah, Could it be that we've been carrying all of those all these years and now this is a perfect opportunity for me to tell her off or to tell him off because 18 years ago I was just too young uh, to express myself. I didn't have uh, adequate vocabulary to clear and eloquently uh, pass on this message that uncle you are just a nonsense. I do not want to deal with you but now that I'm older and uh, authoritative uh, I'm, I'm bringing more than I should definitely can be but it also can be that your container to hold the impact mm. just overflows mm. so mm. you might not have even been consciously aware of it yeah. Um, yeah. But your container to hold that information mm. simply overflows and you mm. can have a very big reaction to what might seem like to everybody else a very small thing yeah. but it's not about that small thing so it yeah. can be a conscious thing like I'm not dependent on you anymore, yes. or I'm an adult now, yeah. or I'm in a relationship now, you can't talk to me like that anymore. Yes. Or it can just be that there's no more space for me to absorb this. Mm. And so it overflows, and we actually go into a survival response. So the survival center of our brain, it, all it knows is how much data we are carrying from our different senses, and we've got nine sensory streams, smell, sight, taste, touch, and sound. And we've also got proprioception, the awareness of our body in space. We've got interoception, which is our organs talking to our brain. We've got um, um, vestibular, which is like the spirit level between your ears, telling you whether you're upright or not. Mm -hmm. And we've got neuroception, so our nervous systems are talking to each other. So that's a lot of data. 
And if there is enough space in the nervous system to process the data, there's enough space in the bucket for all that water, then, then we're fine. But when that bucket starts to threaten to overflow, we actually go into a survival reaction of fight or flight. And mm. if that doesn't work, then we're going to freeze, fold, and fawn, which is to accommodate. Mm. And your part of your brain that goes into this reaction has no thought, no logic, no reason, mm. just stimulus response for survival. It doesn't know the difference mm. between Uncle John, you know, teasing me for being single for yeah. the seven millionth time. And today I've just, my nervous system has had enough and I shout at him or I start crying or I shut down or I withdraw or I just put on a happy smile and carry on as if nothing has happened, but inside I'm, I'm fuming. So it actually can be a neurophysiological experience, not even just a conscious social experience. Could it mean, Jenny, that um, a family, and I'm generalizing here, uh, could it be that a family as a unit um, has a propensity to um, somehow encourage uh, in a bad way, people holding back instead of um, clear interactions uh, to avoid the spilling that you are speaking about, the container being full, because it, it suggests that it's not just one person, but a whole lot of people could be on survival mode now. And the question is, why didn't they raise these issues in prior? Exactly. And like we said a moment ago, that family systems do resist change. So in a family system, everybody's got their assigned role. So this one is the sporty one, or this one is the grumpy one, mm. or this one is the happy one. You know, it reminds me of the movie Encanto. If anybody wants to know about family relational dynamics, then let's watch the movie Encanto, the Disney movie, mm. and how everybody gets assigned this role. Um, and for the role that you get assigned, and it's, it's a subconscious thing. It can sometimes be explicitly spoken about, but it's just how the system functions. We each have our role in the family system. And for that role, you get assigned a script. Um, and the way that I like to think of it is like in the TV show Friends. You know, Monica is the neurotic one. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel is the, is the sort of spoiled one. Joey is the womanizer. Chanda is the neurotic one. Phoebe is the ditzy one. And Ross <laughs> is the newbie one. Yes. And each one of them has got a script. Yeah. So we find it very funny when Rachel says, how you doing? Because that's yeah. Joey's line. Yes. And we find it very funny. Yeah. But when in a family system, people break out of their roles yeah. and start saying things that don't actually belong in their script. Uh, it's very threatening for the system. And remember, the family system resists change because there's a lot of threat for change. And if we are going to continue to identify as a family, we have to resist the change. So when people do start speaking out and taking on a different role, it's hard for the members of the family to adjust to that change because the change feels very threatening to the very identity of the family. It's 19 minutes, well, 20 minutes after 11 o'clock. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm speaking to uh, Jenny Carvey, who is a clinical psychologist. We're talking about family matters, navigating family feuds and conflict during holiday season. I'm just wondering, are you looking forward to having your family come over these holidays? How do your relations with them often work? Or do you find that it's easier to get along with this cousin than that aunt? How do you usually work around it? I'm interested in you telling me how your family dynamic work because, I mean, it's, it's just around the corner. And do you often have time limits for them that they will be around only for four days uh, before Christmas, Christmas, uh, and on the 26th, and then on, on the 27th, they leave? How, what, what's your family uh, dynamic, holiday dynamic? How do you deal with them? And 
do you bring out issues like they often do at that big Christmas lunch and uh, it ends up being uh, horrible for everyone because this one is leaving? How, how do you often do it? Because these are very, very difficult issues to deal with. I'd love to hear from you. 11 883-0702 Alternatively, you can just uh, simply uh, send us uh, your WhatsApp and uh, a voice note, perhaps not longer than uh, uh, 60 seconds or so, but just to share with us what is it that you think, uh, how, how are you approaching these holidays? Will you have the same family members that you had last year coming over? Uh, the WhatsApp line is 072 Family Matters Family Matters 24 minutes after 11 o'clock and uh, this is 702 and uh, we are on Family Matters and uh, we are speaking about trying to find a way uh, these holidays to deal with your family. How do you often do it? How do you make sure that uh, there won't be those dramatic scenes, you fighting, screaming over each other over the holidays and this is supposed to be a beautiful time. How do you handle them or do you just stay by yourself at your house during the holidays and you're thinking less troubles i don't want to do anything with anyone i'd rather keep to myself and those issues that have been boiling uh coming up uh and and how how do you how do you introduce them do you draw someone to your side and say listen Auntie, whoever, uh, over the years you've always done this. I'm hoping that this year you will do something differently uh, because I'm uncomfortable every time you say that I'm too tall. I, I don't like that and uh, let's have a beautiful uh, holiday together as a family. But it's it's never as easy. It's never as easy. My guest is clinical psychologist Jenny Kavey who is uh, uh, with us and assisting us to uh, deal with all these matters. And so Jenny I'm just thinking out loud here about um, these issues. Some of them are unending, right? Uh, it can be that we will then, um, the 2022 Christmas or holidays, we will get over them completely. They may, they may come up again next year because it's not a full-on therapy session. It's just a family gathering. And uh, intermittently, we would be discussing this one and perhaps moving on to the other issue. And we're not here to resolve family. But how do you make sure that it doesn't come back over and over again? where you are reminding Auntie Susan how she has always thought that you're a failure. Um, I, I, really love, I really love that question because it brings us to what are we actually fighting about in um, families? It's usually two things. It's usually control mm. um, and, and what do I mean to you? So mm. control and confirmation. Mm. Um, so your question is, well, how do I control <laughs> the interactions um, so that they don't keep coming back. And I think that the secret is to really understand that you cannot control um, the interactions. You can only respond in the most effective way that you can possibly respond um, and not having an attachment to how other people should be as long as you can differentiate between what is unpleasant and what is unsafe. Um, so if it's simply unpleasant that Auntie Susan does X, Y, and Z or that there's this particular issue, um, it's simply unpleasant for you. Can you adjust your responses in a way to keep yourself a little bit more um, out of that interaction? Because remember, an escalating pattern requires two participants. Or if it's unsafe, do you need to actually create meaningful distance 
um, and not have Christmas with, with mom, not have Christmas mm. with dad, not have mm. sibling. So what I find is a lot of times when people have got relational trauma, they find it difficult to tell the difference between what is unpleasant and what is unsafe. Mm. So what is unpleasant is like a swimming pool that's a little bit too cold, but once you get in, it's actually fine and you can you can deal with it once you've gotten used to it. And what is unsafe is like a swimming pool with a crocodile in it. And people with relational trauma often will not want to get into the swimming pool that's a little bit too cold, but say, oh, but you know, I'll just swim around the crocodile. So I think it's very important to to pick your battles and also to know what's the difference between what is unsafe and what is unpleasant and also just examine your own need for control um, to control how other people need to be in the space. Um, because that is one way that we can definitely participate in escalating power struggles. But, you know, like you were saying earlier, if you are feeling that you don't really want to do family time this year, um, just to know that you're not alone. Um, I often think, you know, whoever, whoever invented holidays like Mother's Day or Valentine's Day, Christmas, the, um, the whole profession of psychology really needs to send them a fruit basket because it's excellent for business because uh, everybody finds it incredibly, incredibly stressful. Um, there are so many people this time of year. So if you are feeling that way, you're definitely not alone. People do find the intensity of the family dynamics being con- being concentrated over a short period of time with a focal point like Christmas, like New Year, like mm. a wedding, mm. um, to be incredibly, incredibly stressful and, and strenuous and too much for them to be. Sure. Let's take a call. 011-883-0702. Lebza, you are in Pretoria, in, in Protea, Glen. Hi. Hey, Mr. Tal, how are you, Chief? I'm free. How's it going, Labza? Good, 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 Chief. Mine, it's, um, it's, it, my anxiety is not big. It, 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 it's it's kind of lighter, you know. It's that time, you know, the Christmas gatherings are coming. Mine is those who don't want to spend. Mm. You know, especially on alcohol, they're waiting for you. When are you coming? Are you coming <laughs> too? No, no, no. You, you understand. I will when I will empty. You know, you are the one who's going to be staying on alcohol. Everybody <laughs> yeah. ends up buying cheap bottles because of, yes. you know, you can't spend those expensive bottles. You end up, you know, sacrificing those cheap bottles because, you know, you know you'll be spending more money. Otherwise, you're going to be spending on, on, on expensive bottles, Chief. It's just going to be expensive. You you, you already know. Lebza, do you feel used? Do you feel used that they are only using you to come and buy alcohol? Or it's it's just okay. It's fine. We 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 meeting. It's fine. But um, sometimes you know, like I'm saying now, we have to sacrifice. End up drinking the cheap bottles because of now you can. <laughs> that's the thing. You can't just say no. This is my bottle. No, don't drink this. We all have to drink this. Yeah. Know. Yeah, Everything. and it's yeah. awkward when you're doing that, ne? and uh, where you—I mean—you must then just go and pour your poison from the back uh, from your from your boot because you don't want to bring yeah, out this bottle because yeah, it's yeah. going to be abused. Lebza, thanks very much for 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 your call. Really appreciate it. Calling from Protea Glen. It is exactly half past eleven. No two family matters. Family Matters, uh, Jenny Kaveh is joining us, clinical psychologist, and we were chatting about uh, family holidays. How do you navigate those tough conversations? How are you going to spend time with family members that you haven't seen in a while, but you, you have issues with them, and these issues have been lingering for some time, or are you that family that is always happy to see each other, kisses, hugs, and you spend four to five days, and everything is hunky-dory? Dike lady, 
on Twitter says nieces and nephews can be manipulative and have a sense of entitlement, especially at a teenage stage. I'm not and will not be a cool aunt in the eyes of irresponsible teen- teenagers. So I won't be home for my serenity sake. Jenny, do you want to come in there? Yeah, beautiful. I want to just link that to what Lives was saying earlier mm. um, about pressure mm. and it being the season, <clears throat> excuse me, the season of giving and people's expectations, which brings us to the second point. I just want to say, I think that you can both be happy to see your family and there's hugs and kisses mm. and also find it difficult. Sure. So, you know, there are, there, we, have, we have very complicated and complex relationships with our families. So it's not that, you know, if you are finding it difficult, that means you don't love each other or care about each other or want to be together as a family. Mm. But, you know, with all of these interactions compounding and compounding and people's developing needs and competition for resources and all the rest, wounds can happen, especially to the people that we're closest with and from the people that we're closest with. So it can be that you're hugging kids and you're happy to see each other, but there can be tension underlying Mm. and there can be difficulties and frustrations and disappointments and compounding hurts. Mm. But linking with Dickaledi and Lebs both have said it's about the season of giving, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of expectation around the holiday for people to give because um, giving gifts and quality time and acts of service are all love languages. Mm. And so people at this time of year want to know, hey, what do I mean to you? Am I important to you? And then have that that expectation that there should be a special gift. And this puts people under a lot of pressure, both emotionally and also financially. Um, Lebs was saying he manages this by just buying um, cheaper bottles. And Dekaledi says she manages this by actually insulating herself and um, creating um, physical distance, which, you know, fully support. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure to give and a lot mm. of pressure on a person's resources, which also then creates stress and creates tension, which makes then people more likely to yeah. react to those interpersonal relational dynamics in the family system. And uh, what Dekeledi also mentions uh, are, are those young kids and uh, other family members perhaps who feel entitled. And uh, I just want to extend it a little bit. It could be that uh, the uncles or the aunts or the cousins' kids uh, just want to jump on my beautiful white couches uh, with their feet. And uh, I'm very wary about who I want in my space. And uh, maybe I don't have little children around. And I'm, I'm afraid of reprimanding them because I may hurt someone's feelings in the family and it's holidays. Why do you have people in your house and you're going to have so many rules, some may think? How, how do you walk around that, Jenny? Yeah, so it's a beautiful point that you raised there. And you, we must remember that when we make a family, so um, we've got what we call our um, vertical culture, mm-hmm. um, which is the culture that we inherit from our parents. And then we also have a horizontal culture, which is the culture that we make for ourselves mm-hmm. with our peers. Mm-hmm. So when you when you differentiate from your family of origin, you start to adopt certain horizontal cultures mm. and you can do things quite differently to one another. Mm. And I often say that I have more people who come to therapy for problems with their siblings as adults than people who come for problems with their spouses. Really? Because siblings are often incredibly different to one another. Yeah. Um, just yeah. because it happens to grow up with the same parents or with the same family. They say no two children grow up in the same family because they each have a different experience of mm, the family. Mm, um, mm. And so you often have people that have actually got very little common ground, mm. but that are needing to um, have closeness. Mm. And that puts people into what we call the be spontaneous paradox, where you are required to feel a certain way or be close, which is something that happens spontaneously. Mm. But then you feel pressure to do it. It makes it even harder to do so. Mm. And so, we, yes, we can have clashings of cultures. 
Um, our family culture might be that our kids can have um, cookies for breakfast any day of the week, um, but their cousins um, aren't even allowed sugar on Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. there's a clashing of cultures that happens. And so I think it's very important in situations like that, that the adults show um, uh, respect and empathy for the experience of the other adults and the children in the family system and learn to negotiate those, which then again, like I said, triggers control. Um, if I let you give your kids cookies and then my kids feel left out, I feel like I'm being forced to give my children cookies on Christmas morning when I don't believe children should have sugar before mm. before dinner. <laughs> um, so it becomes about being able to negotiate yeah, um, yeah. and to have the tools of negotiation in your role repertoire um, and to be able to listen um, as well as express what it is that you're needing. Mm. So. Obviously, identifying what your triggers are, what your non-negotiables are, um, identifying what other people's triggers are, what other people's non-negotiables are, seeing what those patterns are for yourself, and also learning to let go of your expectations of how other people should be in this space, um, and learning to let go of your need to please other people and be able to tolerate the judgments of other people. So it comes down to, like I said, negotiating, the adults negotiating with one another and showing respect by doing that away from the children in the space. Um, so the adults having having a quiet moment to discuss, listen, this is what I need, how do you feel? And that requires a lot of maturity. Mm. And when there is alcohol involved, that maturity is obviously a lot less accessible. Yes. And people become a lot people become a lot less filtered um, and a lot more reactive. So mm. it's also depending, you know, whether there's alcohol involved, like Lebs was saying. Sure. Let's go uh, quickly to your uh, messages, your text messages. This one says, one thing I don't like uh, is siblings with children who expect you to babysit their kids every time they decide to go socializing. Uh, I'll get Jenny to respond to that one. 011-883-0702. TK is joining us from Jobek. Hi, TK. Hi, how are you, Tavo? I'm free. How's it going, TK? I'm great. They just arranged a lot to Joburg. So listen, you know what? I live in Johannesburg with my wife. Yes. And uh, her family lives up in northern KZN. Mm-hmm. We're always going to visit them. They hardly visit us. And, um, you know, the family dynamic is that they always want to be together. And there's always the one person that calls somebody by a silly name or making a silly joke and yeah. being boastful, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I I get it. You know, we all have different personalities and and, and all of that. So mm. what I do to manage that is just um, keep myself occupied, head down to the beach, and you know, spend time with the kids. Yeah. And um, most importantly, just grin and bait and remind yourself that um, we're all different, and I'm going to be home in a few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is challenging. You know, it is challenging. So t- t- tell me before you go, TK, um, you're always going to Durban and they never come this side. Have you tried to raise this issue? And if you have, how have they responded to it? Look, they, they do visit every now and again, but it's not as common as us going yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, like for a December period, mm. and I said to my wife, I-, I would rather we stay home and why don't you let, you know, the family come over? Yeah. And there's always, there's always some excuse, um, you know. The dog, they don't have a place for the dog or someone needs to do this and somebody needs to do that. So I eventually said, you know what, just bug it, we'll just go anyways. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is what it is, I guess. 
No, I mean, TK, very interesting points, and I'm sure that uh, other families deal with it as well. Uh, please listen on the radio and let's hear what Jenny has to say about it. Jenny, wh- wh- what do you make of that? It seems as if it's a bit of a toll f- on TK. Uh, they often going up there, and the other side is not as enthusiastic uh, with coming to Joburg. But it's just more than traveling. I, I don't know. I'm not, uh, perhaps there are other issues there. So I really thank you, TK, for your beautiful call and for sharing with us. Um, and we can hear both of the themes that we've been talking about um, on this topic coming up. Um, TK says always. So we can hear that this is a repeated pattern. We are always going there. They're never coming here. So it's not just about this Christmas. It's about every other Christmas where TK and his family have been put out to go and do the visiting. Um, and then we hear the other one about the nature of the holidays itself and expectations and also around territory. So TK, what TK is talking about is boundaries. And TK is also talking about the difference between what is unpleasant and what is unsafe. And TK has done what is a very wise thing, um, which is he's chosen a hill to die on. Mm. And there's an expression, are you really going to choose this to be the hill to die on? Um, and he's decided that for him, it's simply unpleasant, but it isn't unsafe. Um, that it's very unlikely with the, the, the pattern that he sees going on that is going to change anytime soon. Mm. And so he chooses to ground and regulate his nervous system and sort of clean out his vessel by going to the beach, by doing his own thing, mm. taking a little bit of time out of himself mm. so that he can tolerate it. And that he's told himself it's just, it's, it's only temporary. It's got a beginning, a middle and an end. Mm. And the juice is definitely not worth the squeeze in addressing this at a very fraught and intense time. So for TK, the boundary is, yeah, fine. Um, this is the pattern. It's not optimal. It's not ideal, but it's not the hill that I'm going to choose to die on. Mm. And he brings up, you know, all of our callers have brought up a very important, a very interesting phenomenon that I find with people, which is the guilt resentment seesaw. So the guilt resentment seesaw is that something happens that I don't like and I choose to absorb it. With TK, I hear he's let, he's let it go and he's found something that works for him. But a lot of other people will absorb it and tolerate it and absorb it and tolerate it until it builds up and builds up and builds up and then they snap. Mm. And then they have a very big reaction, um, read everybody their fortunes, um, and then have a very big reaction and then feel very guilty about that reaction and then accommodate again. Mm. And the guilt resentment saw when your guilt is high, your resentment is low. Okay, so um, I am feel very, feeling very guilty for not going to family but I don't have anybody that I have to resent because I'm doing what I do, but I feel guilty. And when your resentment is high, your guilt is low. So I'm doing what you want me to do, then I don't feel guilty. And the guilt resentment seesaw hinges on the principle of should. Mm. I should or you should. So when I'm focusing on I should, I feel guilty. And when I'm focusing on you should, I feel resentful. And the only way to get off the guilt resentment seesaw is to focus no longer on you should or I should because there aren't actually any of those rules. So they're all just constructed. They do not, don't really mm. exist. They're all man-made and all idiosyncratic to different family systems, but rather move away from should to what works. So TK has found something that works for him. So he says, fine, it's not going to work to choose this as a hill to die on and put our draw a line in the sand and say, well, we're not going to have Christmas unless you come to Joburg. Yeah. For him, the juice isn't squeezed. Yeah. So he's let go of should. Yeah. And he's working very nicely with what works for him. So he'll go to, I think he said Durban, he'll go to Durban. Um, I'm curious about um, the, the reports on the, the safety of the water. I'm sure he's also very curious about that. 
Um, and then, you know what, when he needs a break, he'll take a, a breather, he'll go down to the beach, he'll do his own thing, and that will then make it manageable for him. Mm. So what value are you getting out of this family interaction mm. versus what value are you giving in? And for Dick Lady, for her, the value of what she gets out is not worth what's expected of her to give in. Mm. So she would rather what works for her is to insulate herself at this time of year. And so we can hear two different, um, Dick Lady was on, I think, the WhatsApp or, or on, on um, Twitter. Yes, it was two WhatsApp. Different listeners. Yeah, two different listeners with two different approaches, but mm. both of them finding what works for them instead of riding that guilt, resentment, seesaw. So I just want to acknowledge that for both of them. Is it innate in a family dynamic, Jenny, to uh, have these somehow uncomfortable and uh, quite unfortunate comparisons that uncle so-and-so is moneyed and this other one is not? And generally uh, that more often than not dictates um, relations, how one, how, how family members relate to each other. So, uh, this person would be a better, or would be better off than the others and they would be seemingly getting more respect than the rest, uh, and more attention than the rest. Uh, it, it, does that come with all families or is it, um, something that can be uh, worked on? Yeah, look, it definitely comes with all families. The the changing of the variable might be finances or it can be other changing of the variable. Mm. But like we spoke about earlier, everybody in the family system has got a role. So mm. this one might be the one who always organizes everything and takes responsibility for saying, okay, you bring potato salad and I'll bring the gammon and you do this. And that person, that they get stuck in that role Yeah, um, and they get that script. So it definitely happens in all family systems that people um, that people get stuck into roles. Mm. And it might be that, you know, uncle so-and-so who's got the money, he might, you know, get more attention or more respect, or he might actually feel more burdened mm. and more demanded mm. on and more mm. burnt out. And he might not feel as as um, as confirmed as somebody else in the family that mm. people just want to spend time with him just because they do. And he feels maybe, like you said earlier, maybe a bit exploited as you mm. affected to lives, mm. maybe feeling a bit exploited. But what's so important to know is that when we try to change family dynamics, a lot of the time, the new rule is not actually a problem. It's just the change of the rule. So it's not actually a problem if you don't organize Christmas this year. What people are reacting to is not the fact that you should organize Christmas. What people are reacting to is the change. Mm. So when I now say, listen, guys, um, I'm not going to organize Christmas this year, and people are resistant to that, we might then get the message of how you see Everyone does expect me to organize Christmas. I, I do feel used. I don't feel valued and appreciated for who I am. But actually to remember that it's usually just the change that people are uncomfortable with because people don't like change in general, but especially not in the family system, which is programmed to resist change. So if you do want to create a change in the family dynamic is to have empathy for the other party that the change might be uncomfortable for them rather than it is that they are actually still expecting you to provide what it is that you've always provided. It's not so much necessarily about you bring the gammon and I bring the potato salad, but about the change mm. and how sensitive families are to change. But yes, that happens in absolutely every family, that there are norms, and when people start to change the norms, people get uncomfortable.
011-883-0702. That's a number to call us on. Uh, should you have a question for Jenny, uh, who's a clinical psychologist, we're speaking about spending time with family members. Uh, these holidays, are you going to find it a bit difficult to do so because there are some unhealthy patterns that always show their ugly heads and you don't know how to bring it up? Or generally, you do not like how this aunt, how this cousin often deals with you, uh, speaks to you in a demeaning way, but you invite them over or you go over anyway and uh, this thing is gnawing at your soul and, uh, and and eating you up. I'd love to hear from you. What do you make of that? And you can also send um, your voice notes, if you will, uh, including uh, some, uh, some some texts uh, to, to, to us on 072-702-1702. 072-702-1702. Let's, speaking of which, let's go to uh, a WhatsApp message that says hi I have a sibling that gives my child things that I don't allow during the holidays causes a lot of tension as I feel my authority is undermined what can I do Jenny so that's a very interesting one I guess it would come down to what they are giving your child is it is it unpleasant or is it unsafe Um, and are they actually using this as a way of hooking you in to an escalating power struggle um, and if you feel very strongly that it's unsafe for your child, then you might have to sacrifice contact with this person. But if it is simply unpleasant um, to rather see, okay, is my child actually in serious harm's way by what they're giving them? Um, or is it just not the way we prefer to do things? Mm. Um, then you might be looking at, uh, is my sibling actually trying to hook me into this old gambit? Is my sibling saying to me, knock, knock, and I say, who's there? <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they hook me into this gambit. Mm, mm. Um, and so an escalating power struggle ensues, but an escalating power struggle requires two participants. So look, if it's something unsafe, you might not actually be able to have contact with that sibling, and that's another thing. But if it is actually just something that's unpleasant, you might look at a different way of working with the, with, with the, um, the behavior and say, oh, wow, Uncle so-and-so really spoils you. Um, and that's a very special thing that we only have at very special times. So let's say it's chocolates and you don't like your child to have chocolates. So let's put the chocolates away until, um, the, the, until Santa has come and then we can have a little bit because chocolates is very special. So in that way, you are actually taking control of the situation, but not putting yourself in a defeatable position. So you are reframing and taking control over how your child manages it. So you empower your child to manage whatever it is differently, but without actually giving your sibling an opportunity to directly defy you. And um, I think in the art of war, they, they call it putting yourself in an undefeatable position. So you'd really have to examine within yourself. Is this thing that your sibling giving your child, is, it, is the thing really a problem? Or is your sibling defying you the actual problem? And those two things require two very different reactions and responses. And um, in closing, um, if, 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 if you don't mind, Jenny, I, I'm just wondering, how, what, what's the standard attitude that we should be adopting uh, as we enter this season spending with families? Is there a mindset that is needed to change somehow so that I do not necessarily become overly accepting to untoward behavior, but I'm also not ultra sensitive to every small thing that comes my way? Yeah, beautiful. I think it's about um, realizing that people are not doing anything to you um, to make you feel a certain way about yourself. Um, people are simply doing what they do and um, focus mostly on their needs. 
So instead of reacting to people's behavior as either what can I do differently to make you feel, to make you treat me differently or reacting of what can I do differently um, to um, tell you that you can't make me feel that way about myself, looking at someone's behavior and asking, how do I feel about this behavior? Do I want more of it or do I want less of it? Sure. If I want less of it, I create distance, but not long if internalize, yeah. not internalizing it and letting it make you feel any particular way about yourself. And remembering just that everybody hurts and hurting yeah. people hurt people. Yeah. Um, but just because you feel sorry for the lonely crocodile doesn't mean you need to go and cuddle him in his enclosure. I love the analogy. Jenny Cave, clinical psychologist, thanks for spending time with us. Really appreciate it.